you need motivation and inspiration to get you off the couch and boss up? We've got you covered. Welcome to the Build or Destroy podcast. Self-improvement, education, business, relationships, financial literacy, investing, and doing for self. Let's do this. Here's your host, Anthony Barber Jr., a.k.a. The Builder. What's up, good people? It's your boy, The Builder. Back with another episode of The Builder Destroy Podcast. And in this episode, I'm doing a kind of, a, of an end of the year recap of the things that I'm looking into heading into 2023 um, and beyond. Because I'm starting to see a shift. And it's always it always pays to be ahead of a trend, right? So I'm gonna give my recap on the things that I've been loading uh, at the end of 2022, uh, heading into 23, and uh, give my reasons why on certain sectors and certain things that I feel will uh, have the most explosive growth over the next uh, 10 to 20 years. You know, but we're going to focus on the next, you know, eight to 10 years, you know, by 2030, what I think is going to be a uh, pretty big and um, what I'm, you know, putting my bets down on things of that nature. You know, once again, this is not financial advice, as always. I'm just giving perspective um, an outlook, you know, things that I'm doing, you know, um, take it with a grain of salt, you know, do your own research as always. So uh, let's get it. All right. So <clears throat> when it comes to like me personally, when I'm looking at a, a sector or a stock or anything in the financial markets, I really I really feel like contemplation and kind of taking a step back and zooming out is one of the most important things, you know, at least to me. It's helped me out tremendously um, in my investment journey because it allows me to kind of future pace a little bit and see where the actual globe is heading. You know, I think a lot of people focus on what's going on in their country or their, you know, their state or whatever things of that nature. You know, they, they have a tendency to focus on like the small stuff, the small minute, as opposed to like the big stuff. Like I look at the big picture and how it, and then I basically, then I work my way backwards. And then I, I go and I, and I look into the fine details and all that stuff because if I start, look, if I zoom out and look at the big photo, I can easily see certain, how this string attaches to this person and how this person attaches to that person, how this person attaches to that company and how this company is attached to this government and how this government is attached to, you know, this military and how this military is going to be in conflict with this military and how this, you know, it, it all spiders together. That being said, I'll start uh, giving a rundown of like, you know, just some of the things that I'm looking at. So number one, uh, I would say the first sector that I think is going to be, you know, real lit 
you know, um, and, and it's going to be a really talked about um, sector for at least the next two years until like the next presidential election comes up, because I don't know. Nobody really knows what's going to happen with that you now in 2024. But for at least for right now, 2023 and through 2024, you're going to hear this a lot. It's going to be uh, lithium. You're going to hear uh, mining and uh, more specific lithium is going to be like the hot topic. But don't get stuck on lithium. Um, mining uh, in general is going to be like a really hot thing. You know, you, it's not just lithium, it's gold, um, cobalt, you know, palladium, uh, you know, uranium, you know, for nuclear energy. Like it's all types of things that correlate to the energy sector, you know, even silver, you know, because uh, lithium batteries have, you know, contain silver. You know what I'm saying? Like, and which brings me to my next point, right? Finding uh, versatility in your investments, right? So, you have some companies that focus purely on lithium mining, right? Then you have some companies that are trying to go more super green, you know, to appeal to the government, uh, you know, uh, so they can appeal for grants and, you know, special uh, offtake agreements and things like that with the, on, on a governmental level, get government contracts, you know, because it's one thing to be like a, a big supplier or something and you cut a deal with like another company for like an off-take off -take agreement or something like that, like a Toyota or like a BMW or a Tesla or something like that. You know, that's cool. But like, those are companies. Those are, you know, companies at the end of the day. That's not the same thing as a whole government, as a country, you know, trying to like you utilize you for your supply chain and things like that and leverage your supply chain, you know, or, or try to form an exclusive contract or something like that that can last for you know, 20, 30, 40 years, you know, something like that, you know, don't be afraid to like try to find like variety uh, in the market. So like you have, like I said, you have some lithium companies that, that focus on mining. You have some that focus on extraction. You have some that um, that even focus on recycling. So, you know, I'll throw a few out um, and, and full disclosure, I am invested in, 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 you know, these companies that I'm mentioning, not all of them, but some. Um, one would be like uh, Piedmont Lithium, you know, currently trading on the NASDAQ. You know, they have an offtake agreement with a Canadian slash Australian mining company that does business primarily out of Quebec. Um, called Sayona Mining, and I own shares in Sayona also. So Sayona Mining uh, is a is an OTC company, ironic as it were, but they trade on the, they have a dual trading uh, certificate. So they trade in the U.S., Canada, and Australian markets. You know, so like when you know the U.S. market is, is closed and the Australian market, you know comes on, you know, different time zones or whatever. So I thought then, you know, it's available to purchase on the Australian exchange. Cool thing about Sayona, they just, um, they, they formed this partnership with Lit with uh, Piedmont Lithium to basically restart this, one of the largest uh, lithium mine, you know, uh, mining facilities uh, in, in Quebec, you know, basically in like the, look at the, the, the place that they own established this company that they um that they restarted this mine this mining uh facility in is basically like in the largest it's like i think about it like el dorado it's like the el dorado for lithium when it comes you know as far as canada is concerned obviously 
there's other countries that have large deposits too, you know, China, Chile, things of that nature. But when it comes to Canada, specifically like this area, this specific area in Quebec, like Sayona pretty much is like smack dab right there in the middle of it. And that's where they're going to be doing a lot of their mining, a lot of their, um, to get the spodumene, the lithium spodumene to supply to Piedmont, which just so happens to have uh, an agreement to supply Tesla with lithium. You know what I'm saying? So like, so basically it's like a string, you know what I'm saying? Sayona mines it, they, you know, get it to the facility, get the spodumene, and then they give that to Piedmont and then Piedmont gives it to, to Tesla. So that's like just one quick example of like a, a link in the chain, you know what I'm saying? So like you could own Tesla shares because you like Tesla and you feel like Tesla is a, is a good um, IP company. They have a lot of good IP, a lot of patents you know things of that nature that can be leveraged they have a, you know, they have a really good product a, a solid product it's proven yeah it has its quirks or whatever but that's just like you can say that about any car manufacturer right so if you look at tesla purely on a car manufacturing scale you know it, it can look like a badass investment like okay cool i like tesla car manufacturer then you see piedmont lithium uh you know lithium mining and then you go a step further and then you have like a like a startup that's like cheaper than both of the ones I just mentioned. You know, Tesla obviously trading in the hundreds of dollars, Piedmont uh, trading a little bit uh, less than a hundred bucks. It's like 66 bucks, something like that last time I checked. Um, and Sayona is, is not even over 50 cent. You know, it's like at 15 cent, something like that. It's hover, it's bouncing around, you know, 15, 16 cent at the moment, you know, uh, as we go into the, the fourth quarter of uh, 2022. So like, that's just like a, you know, a chain, you know, just to prove to you, like you can diversify your investments and like, and go into different things and invest in different types of companies that might necessarily fall under the same umbrella, you know, uh, as far as like the market that, you know, the actual market that you might be looking at and the lithium market, the global lithium market size was valued at 6.8 billion in 2021. Right. And it's expected to expand at a compound annual growth rate of 12% from 2022 to 2030. So like that, that means it's going to grow at, at, a, at, a, at a base rate of 12% from 2022 to 2030. So for the next eight years, it's going to have 12%, you know, compound growth. Like it's going to be, that's pretty explosive. You know what I'm saying? Like if you add it up just over eight years, that's like a hundred and it's going to grow over 120, 130% from where from the, from the levels that it's at right now you know i mean we're talking multiple billions of dollars you know as far as on a global scale in the next eight years so like just take that into account when you look at things like that um another market that i see like massive growth potential in is the nft market because the thing about nfts uh nobody really can define them yet you know they started off as trading cards and now you're starting to see uh, artists like Tory Lanez, Currency. Uh, you know, these are hip hop artists that I'm that I mentioned. It's uh, some even some like uh, R&B singers and like country singers and things of that nature. They're getting into NFTs and they're and they're turning their albums into NFTs. And one thing about that is, like, the artist actually has sole ownership of it now. And they get royalties every every time that that's that that music that music file or whatever that NFT 
uh, that, that non-fungible token changes hands or, or it's sold to another party, they get a royalty from that. They get they get money off the initial sale of the album and they get a, a basically a, a infinite royalty because, you know, whenever the item changes hands, exchanges hands from, from one person to another, they get a, they get a piece off of that, too. So they're basically they, the, a music artist can necessarily be their own record label and literally cut the middleman out, cut the cut the cut the record label out. The only thing that the record label probably can still have somewhat control over because they work with like uh, streaming services and and uh, concert venues and they, they own all the venues and stuff. So like they could possibly stop the artist or try to like uh, blacklist them or blackball them from like performing at Rolling Loud and all these big you know concert venues because they own all the venues. You know what I'm saying? So like. If the artist, you know, wants to make money on the road, they might have to cut like some type of deal with the record labels for that purpose. But as far as like the music, the ownership of the music or something like that, or like, you know, that that can be solely on them just with NFTs. You know what I'm saying? And then now you have athletes getting into it. But that I look at that more so like memorabilia, uh, trading cards, things of that nature. But you also have other emerging markets popping up like uh, like tangible goods, like like sneakers, right? Like people making Jordans, Air Jordans into NFTs and and things like that. You know, it, the market is like really layered right now, and it's a lot of stuff evolving. And I think a lot of people are kind of stuck on like the the notion of like a, a picture or being a trading card type of deal, and they're not really seeing what the NFT possibly could be yet. And it's so and it's so infant, you know. It's it's so small, but just to give you some perspective on it, um, the the NFT market in 2021 was valued at 4.3 billion, and that's ridiculously huge for like and impressive for like a infant, you know, market that just kind of popped up. You know, what I'm saying recently. Um, and it's supposed to have a growth rate of 23.9% from 2022 to 2028. So in the next six years, it's supposed to have a, a compound growth rate of, it's supposed to grow almost 24% a year, year over year for the next six years, you know, and it's going to end up being around 20 billion by the end of the whole thing. It's going to be valued at around, it's going to be about a $20 billion market. That's ridiculous. You know ridiculously good you know for those that you know can like find their niche and like find companies that are like really on the cutting edge of the stuff not just focusing on uh like an exchange like oh hey you know guys we're going to open up we're going to have our own you know nft exchange it's like come on man like unless you're really trying to compete with OpenSea and you're not necessarily trying to like piggyback off what OpenSea is done you're kind of just like some cookie cutter copycat but like if you're doing it in a way where it's like kind of new where it's like you're assigning musical artists perhaps or like your your or your platform uh provides a a a easy way for like music artists um to like put their music out on or something like that to where their fans can like access it and get like a tangible utility maybe like a meet and greet you know, kind of like the equivalent of a backstage pass. Like, I um, remember backstage passes uh, used to be like 
almost like a holy grail type of thing. They used to be like hard as shit to get. So like an NFT, think about like, you know, being able to like, I'm just throwing it out there, but like being able to like go to like uh play video games or something with your favorite like musical artist or something like like with 21 Savage or something like that. Or like, you know, whatever, you know, uh, Drake or Lil Durk or, you know, some of these big artists that, you know, like imagine like you being able, you the fan and you you bought an album and the album is an NFT and it gives you like all access pass to them, you know, like at the after parties or whatever at the club, like it gets you into the clubs where they, they might have an after party or like a, a, a listening party. It might, it might get you into a listening party or something like that. Like this could really be crazy. Like. So when they throw out numbers like $20 billion, you know, things like that, as far as market size, it's not ridiculous to think of it being like that. You know, like you have to really just put it in perspective. So like NFTs, blockchain, I keep pounding the table on this. Like the digital world is here. You were on the cusp of it. Like it hasn't really hit you in the face yet. I'm trying to like just put it out there as subtle as I can without being uh coming off like I'm like I'm being rude or whatever but like you have to get educated on this stuff because like one, whether you want to or not some facet of your life is going to change here in the near future and it's going to be a, in a digital way it's going to be more digital than you already know you know or, or it's going to be more digital than you already uh participate in you know like the most digital aspect that somebody has right now that we all have in common is our smartphone Okay, 99.9% of people use a smartphone, at least in like, you know, developed countries, I'd say. They use uh, smartphone technology. Everybody has a phone, whatever, or, or a computer at home, a laptop or, some, or a tablet or something like that. But like, imagine like everywhere you go is digital. Like you, like you can't get into the building without uh, verifying who you are, or you can't get into the concert without, you know, uh, like they, they're using QR codes Right now, like I went to a um a Thunder game a few years ago and I had my my um my my ticket to the basketball game was digital. Now that they've been doing that for a while. I know people be like, Well, your aunt, they've been doing that shit for a while. Like they've been, you know, it's been you can you can have your airline ticket on your phone, you can have your movie ticket on your phone. Like they well, that's nothing new. It's like, you know why you say that? It's because you're already conditioned. The reason why you're like so Oh man, we've already had that. That's old. It's like that's not old. That's it's can it takes a while to condition humans into a new way of doing things. It takes it's real subtle. You don't even see it until it's in your face. You don't see the train on the tracks until like the lights are like right in your face and you're about to get ran over by the train. Most people don't look at it like that. They look at it like, oh, this stuff has been around. I don't know what the big deal is. It's like, yeah, because I, I have to condition you. And the minute that I get, the minute that you start thinking about it in terms of, oh, this has been around for a while and I'm used to this. Exactly. You're used to it. So if you're used to that, if you're used to a QR code on your phone and getting into a, a concert, a basketball game, a football game, using it as an airline ticket, a train ticket, uh, whatever you know it's gonna be everything digital you're gonna have digital IDs only a matter of time before your IDs are digital before your passports are digital before you, you know every driver's license is digital everything's gonna be digital you're gonna have a digital footprint you know what I'm saying everything's gonna be like on the web everything's gonna be like super digitalized like to where like you go to an ice cream truck 
and they're not going to accept cash. No loose change, no dollar bills. Like you're going to have to scan your phone. The, the ice cream man is going to whip out his phone. He's going to be like, that's going to be six, uh, six dollars and 50 cents. And then you're going to whip out your phone and you're going to put your phone over his phone or her phone. And then you're going to wait for the phone to beep. And then next thing you know, it's going to say, all right, transaction complete. And you just transferred six dollars to blah 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 for ice cream and that's it you're not going to have cash people aren't going to have cash so like that's a part of the digital society that's a part of the cashless society and nfts are a facet of that whether we want to see it like that or not because it wasn't too long ago that we had cds you know you had to go to the cd store you know i mean it might have been 20 years ago or something like that but like that's not that long ago. That's like a, that's just like a whole person. That's not that's like a whole person ago. That's not that long ago. Twenty years ain't that long ago. But you had to go to like Har- I remember Harmony House. You go to Harmony House and like it was all CDs. Like you had to physically buy CDs. Like I bought Masterpiece Ice Cream Man CD. Like I bought the CD. You know I bought uh, you know um. I had Jeezy's uh, Thug Motivation One on One CD. Like I had the CD, man. Like, and then it went, then it went from CDs to MP3s. Then it went to MP4s, and and now you now you got zip, you got zip files, and and you, I mean, it's all type of shit now, man. Now you got NFTs. Fast forward, you got NFTs now. Yeah, NFT albums, where it's on the blockchain, and it's only certain amount of block of, of albums available, and and, and they increase in value. You know, predicated upon like the volume of people buying it and trading it and selling it to each other, and it's like it's ridiculous. Like the market is so fast, it's moving so fast. So that's something to keep your eye on. On um, NFTs, blockchain technology. Um, another thing, another market that I, I see a lot of people not really focusing on because they, I feel like they don't really know what it is. They don't really. They're kind of ignoring it. But it kind of falls in line with uh, with like automation, uh, robotics, things of that nature. And that's uh, drones. That's drones. And the commercial drone market is freaking huge, man. Like the commercial drone market currently, right, uh, is in hundreds of billions of dollars, right? And it's supposed to be worth a half a trillion dollars by 2030, um, by, by, um, market estimates, um, according to a, a July article, um, by president's research, um, commercial drone market size is to be worth around 504 billion by 2030. Like just wrap your head around that. That's crazy. Like, so in the next eight years, this, the commercial drone market is going to be worth a half a trillion dollars. Like, and people aren't even talking about this stuff. People are like looking at drone companies like, well, I don't know. It's like, bro, they're going to be a part of like every, you're going to see drones everywhere in the next eight years. They're basically saying in the next eight years, you're going to see drone activity like you haven't, it's going to be drone companies popping up. Like I just got my FAA part 107 uh, commercial drone pilot's license for this very reason because i'm going into business for myself in 2023 i'm i'm starting up my own you know drone company um and, and i'm going to be doing um civil you know and commercial activity 
and, 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 and starting up a drone company. You know, I'm starting small like everybody else and, and I'm getting out there because like this market is booming. Like it's, it's so many applications and use cases for drones um, that are ridiculous. And, 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 it, and it's newer things popping up all the time, you know, not just inspection. Cause a lot of people think, Oh, land surveying. It's like, no, you have thermal imaging. Um, you can like somebody with a non-destructive testing certification and like thermal imaging, you can literally right out. Like if you get your license and get a good drone with like a thermal imaging camera and things of that nature, once you get your license and everything, you basically have a business in a box. Like you can start a, a thermal imaging and diagnostic and inspection an inspection um, company using drone technology where you fly and you inspect whatever, you know what I'm saying? Gas lines, oil lines, uh, real estate, commercial real estate, buildings. Um, you know, a drone can access places where a human can't, at least not without uh, certain equipment, scaffolds, um, hydraulic lifts, ladders, you know, and then you got the liability factor, you know, humans get injured, humans can fall, things like that. A drone is like, like I say, it can access certain areas of property in certain areas of like a building or whatever that a human can't without it necessarily being considered like a dangerous um, work environment. So that's just really quick, man. Like um, drone, the drone market right now is valued currently at 24.3 billion in 2022. And it's think about it, it's going to jump up to an estimated 504 billion by 2030. So, and, and that's a short time. That's only eight years. Like, like, look how look how fast 2022 went by. Um, look how fast you know. Look look how fast uh, 2020 went. Like, it, it, COVID just happened, but that was like two years ago. COVID happened two years ago. Look how fast two years went by. Like, imagine eight years. Like, that's nothing. Like, that's time flies, man. Time. People don't realize how fast time really time stops for nobody. Like it keeps going. So you're going to blink and it's going to be 2030 and it's going to be a lot of gnarly shit going on all over the world. And it's going to be like, damn, I didn't see this coming. I didn't see this coming. It's like you got to start thinking about this stuff now. Uh, uh, there's going to be a lot of energy crisis. There's going to be a lot of uh, supply chain shocks, a lot of um, uh, resource um things that's going to be, you know, tossed up like uh, water. Start looking at companies that, that deal with water, uh, you know, purifying water, wa you know, bottled water, um, cleaning water, you know what I'm saying? Uh, things like that, you know what I'm saying? Because that's that's considered green. And when you talk about green, uh, obviously government contracts, Green New Deal, things like that, you know, all these companies that want to lower emissions, you know, like, I mean, like just water, like humans need water. Anything that humans need is never going out of business. Like water is never going out of business. Like just like trash, waste management, waste management companies are never going out of business. You always trash, trash, trash. Humans create trash. As long as there's humans on the planet, you're going to have trash. And as long as you have trash, you're going to need companies that clean up trash. So waste management, that's something that that that's a constant uh, that I would at least keep a little bit of that in my portfolio or at least research some companies that are like finding out uh, new ways of how to recycle, how to um, how to keep so much trash out of landfills. You know, companies that are like, you know, 
uh, using trash and turning it into renewable fuel or energy, something, you know, you have to like think outside the box. Like it doesn't hurt to like really look at these things. So that's just uh, a couple, man. Um, this is part one. I'm gonna go into more detail on part two, but this is just something to think about for right now, man. These sectors, um, start doing some research on them, really get into it, these companies. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll touch on this in part two. But for now, I gave you the blueprint. I gave you some things that I'm thinking about. And uh, just get at me, you know, on my socials. Um, Antonio the Builder, you can find me on Twitter, uh, The Builders Podcast, on uh, YouTube, The Builders Podcast, um, via Twitter. Hit my DMs. You know, let me know what you think about the episode. Let me know what you think about season one. Uh, listen to all the other episodes. Um, give me some feedback. You know, I can't I can't get better unless you uh unless you give me feedback and um you know let me know what you like, let me know what you don't like. I take all criticism into consideration, et cetera, et cetera. And uh until next time, I'm out. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Build or Destroy Podcast. With your host, Anthony Barber Jr., a.k.a. The Builder. We hope you enjoyed our deep dive into all the tips and tricks you can use to boss your life up. If you're interested in expanding your mind and reaching your definition of freedom and how these ideas and views can be applied in the real world, tap in with us next week. As always, you can head over to www.builderslsb.com to cop some motivation, dope merch, and sign up to our email list. And don't forget to check out all the links and resources in the show notes. That's all for this episode, folks. And as always, boss up instead of laying down.